Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. Exciting excursion here in what I would call podcasting excellence. This is Drew Allen, the host of the Drew Allen Show podcast with you for, well, a jam-packed, truly, episode. Another best episode. Every episode is the best episode, and that's the truth. Well, we got uh, where to start today, honestly. We got Larry Elder. I'm reporting to you. Uh, well, from the communist state of California, your uh, eye, eyes and ears behind enemy lines here, if you're not in California where I am, uh, hoping, praying uh, for Governor Gavin Newsom's recall and hopefully his replacement by Larry Elder. Now, Larry Elder, I don't know if he saw this, but he was in Los Angeles. I mean, he's he's been... Going on this uh, amazing tour, giving these Trump-esque uh, speeches, and building quite the following. The, the energy for, for Larry Elder and the energy to recall Newsom, if you're not in California, it's hard to describe. I mean, Democrats who, who for, for four years of Trump, couldn't stop talking about politics and how awful the orange man was. Well, they're all silent right now. They see what's happening and, and what a absolute catastrophe and disaster it is their choice to vote for joe biden and that brings me to another topic too before i get into what happened with larry elder in the venice neighborhood of los angeles well this election we've never had an election in a state that was as consequential in my opinion as this election in california because the midterms are still a ways away in 2022 and man, it even pains me to start thinking about 2024, how long we have to continue to endure this uh, Biden regime after the damage he's already done in eight, nine months. But this is really, really uh, has the weight of a presidential election right now in California. Because California, as you know, is ground zero for what the Democratic Party wants to do and is doing to the rest of the country. And God forbid this country becomes like California. But it, it is a manifestation of all of their policies because it's a one-party state. The Democrats have controlled it for a long time. And it's, it's, it's a dumpster fire, which is what we're seeing happen to the rest of this country under this administration and even prior administrations with Obama and everything else. But it's amazing to watch. So you have Larry Elder, who's a black man, could be the first black governor of California. And of course, when it's a Democrat who's black, oh, well, it's, it's, it's the greatest opportunity ever. You know, you have to vote for, for uh, Barack Obama. And we know, of course, that's what happened in 2009 with Obama's uh, first term. You know, a bunch of whites who were just praying that if they voted for Obama, suddenly racism would be eradicated from America and that conversation would die. You know, they voted based on their 
guilty consciences, which they had no need to have to begin with, but these liberals, you know, they all came out and they voted for Obama, thinking, oh, if I vote for a black man, you know, uh, there's no more racism. I'm not racist. It'll just go away. And that was a lie. But here we have a black man, Larry Elder, running to be the first black governor of California, carrying the same weight as Obama did for this country in terms of what it could mean if you're a liberal Democrat looking at things, when all you see is race, 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 and division. And we have him walking through the Venice neighborhood. Venice is Venice Beach, right? You know, that's one of the... the well, if you want to look at how bad things are in California, sure, you can look at San Francisco and Los Angeles, but Venice is about as bad as it gets with their homeless problems and violence and everything else. And Venice, with all those, those beach homes that are multi-million dollars, it's, it's, a, it's a city of, of an area of L.A. that is have, the haves and have-nots. It, it is a microcosm of democratic policies in California. And Larry Elder was walking with his team, in a Venice neighborhood, and he had eggs thrown at him. He was accosted by a woman in a gorilla suit. People came up and, and were cursing out um, Larry Elder, using foul language, saying, um, God, what did they say? Uh, you know, they called Elder a piece of excrement. You know, they didn't use excrement, of course. They used the, you know, you know the word, as he was escorted, escorted into his vehicle to get away. And this really, you know, this doesn't happen on the right. And God forbid you have an instance of a quote-unquote insurrection like you did on January 6th, which wasn't an insurrection, of course. But the media won't stop talking about it. About the Trump, you know, MAGA Republicans, domestic terrorists. And here you have a bunch of liberal Democrats who are ideologues, who honestly, you know, these people are so ignorant. Just, you know, and I'm sure some of them are the product of the, the disgrace that is the educational system in California. But here they are calling a black man running for governor a piece of excrement, hurling eggs at him. White people, by the way, white people doing this. Can you imagine, of course, if this happened to Barack Obama or a black Democrat? You would not hear anything else in the media about how racist Republicans are, how horrible Trump voters are. They're all racist. They hate blacks. But this is the instance you have in California. And this, this proves the point. Democrats are the most racist, reprehensible people in this society, by and large. They don't have any morality whatsoever. They're such politi political hacks and ideologues. And you won't hear this in the media anywhere any coverage of this from the, from the drive-bys and the mainstream media about what happened to Elder. But of course, if this happened to a, a black Democrat, well, this would be an instance of how racist the entire Republican Party is. But this is just par for the course. But that's what's happening out here in California. You've got Larry Elder being attacked and being uh, obscenities being hurled at him, along with eggs, uh, by whites out here. Whites out here who are so ignorant and don't understand that elder is an opportunity. And here's a black man who actually wants to solve the problems that plague California. But anyway, I just thought you should know that that's the story. That's what's going on out here. And Newsom is scared to death. And the Democrats are scared to death. 
Because never in their lives did they imagine or fathom uh, uh, a scenario in which a Democrat, in this case Newsom, would actually be successfully up for recall. And then, then that a black Republican put, could possibly defeat him in the recall effort. So that's coming up on September 13th. But of course, the problem out here in California, which really, this screams and goes back to you know, the 2020 election, they just sent out the mail-in ballots. They weren't requested by anyone. And so there's the possibility of widespread fraud again here in California. And of course, France doesn't permit uh, these, these, these mail-in ballots. Uh, most developed nations don't. And our own country, of course, understood uh, in 2005 or thereabouts with that commission, bipartisan commission that did a study that said, well, you know, mail-in ballots are the greatest source of widespread uh, fraud that exists. And so here we have uh, the Democrats in California trying to combat a real election and combat, um, uh, you know, this recall effort by, well, promoting fraud, widespread fraud. And that's what's happening. And so, you know, if, if I'm telling you, if Newsom is not recalled, we just have a scenario in which there's no credibility left. Because we know the Democrats are liars. We know they're cheats. And they don't do anything to secure in the minds of voters that, our, that there is integrity in our election system. And this is really the problem. This is really the problem. But anyway, we've got so much to get to. We've got a measles outbreak, which we eradicated in this country back in, I don't know, around 2000. With the Afghani refugees, while meanwhile Americans are still stranded in Afghanistan. And we've got a bigger thing I want to talk about today, which is the, the alternate reality that the Democrats live in. They have so much hubris, they're so ideologically driven, that they don't even understand not only why... Biden is tanking in the polls, and I've got an article that's hilarious by this woman named Jill Lawrence at USA Today, who thinks that, um, well, she's coming to Biden's defense, defense about Afghanistan and everything else. Uh, he's a hero and a leader, according to her. But this applies also to the Larry Elder situation, because they're blaming this recall effort on homelessness. That's the real reason that Newsom is being recalled, how many homeless are here, and people seeing that. And while that is a visible sign of one of the problems in California, that is not it. Obama's out there with a new, I mean, this is how scared they are. You know they're scared when they have to bring Obama out to film some kind of uh, campaign to try and save Newsom's rear. And he's out there spouting the same uh, verbiage of the Democratic Party, the same talking points, a Republican recall effort. This is not a Republican recall effort. And that's what they're so scared about because Americans are waking up and this is a bipartisan recall effort of Newsom. And it's not about homelessness. It goes back to the French Laundry incident. It's about the hypocrisy of Gavin Newsom acting like a dictator, acting like King George III who he once abolished and fought a war to get rid of. We have no tolerance for that anymore. We have no tolerance for the fact that 
Democrats and Republicans and independents all had their businesses destroyed in California because of the way California approached this pandemic, shutting down businesses, forcing us into our homes, homes, putting up curfews even, mandating uh, masks and closures. No, this is pushing back against corruption, against a government that defies the Constitution, about unconstitutionality, about an American spirit that still lives on, which has the left scared after all their efforts of indoctrination for so many years and decades in our schools. Well, the American people are still rising up. That red-blooded independence and resistance still lives on despite their best efforts. We have Joe Biden being booed by college students, being cursed out. F you, Joe Biden, they've been saying. I mean, there is a movement afoot that we can be excited about that should bring us all uh, a certain amount, despite all the negativity out there, a certain amount of hope, okay? And we've got to continue to push this message forward because I do believe something's happening in this country. And I do believe that we can win this battle. It's going to be a long battle as we've talked about here. But people are rising up and they've had enough. And the left has gone so far left that they've revealed themselves as the totalitarians that they are. And the American people are finally saying we've had enough. And California is ground zero for what could happen in the rest of this country. That's why it's so important that Gavin Newsom is recalled, that there are repercussions for what he's done and how he's behaved and conducted himself, and a repudiation of what's been happening in California for, for many, many years, which is, well, spreading out throughout this country. There's no greater example than what the Biden administration has done and continues to do to this country. And Donald Trump, his greatest legacy, I'll still say this, is that he exposed the swamp. He exposed the corruption And he shined a very, very bright light on what is wrong in this country with the Democratic Party and those individuals who are in the swamp, also in the Republican Party. But this is Drew Allen. I'm going to take a short break. When we get back, I'm going to talk about this Jill Lawrence article about how out of touch the liberal Democrats are, as usual, how they can't see and face reality. And we've got to seize on that opportunity and encourage the Republican Party to get it together and fight to save America. This is Drew Allen. We'll be right back. And we're back. I'm back, I should say. Drew Allen. So I want to get to this Jill Lawrence article, as I promised, from USA Today. Here is the headline, which sets it up perfectly, of course, As his poll numbers sink, is Joe Biden in trouble? If he is, it's good trouble. How so, Jill? Please illuminate us. I got some poll quotes here. Let's start with the opening. Bill Clinton once said that in times of uncertainty, voters prefer leaders who are strong and wrong rather than weak and right. (laughs) It just gets better. It gets better and better. Don't worry. This is a little bit of fun today. Joe Biden is betting they will decide next year in the midterm elections that he and his party have been strong and right. 
If, if his bet is wrong, at least he will have done all the good he can for as many as he can for as long as he can. So, off the bat, Jill Lawrence suggests that, well, she suggests that Joe Biden is strong and wrong, worst case scenario. Strong and wrong. I, 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 I mean, of all the adjectives, descriptors of Joe Biden, strong is definitely not one of them. I mean, wrong fits the bill. He's definitely been wrong, but he's not strong. But it goes on, and she continues to, to, to well, hurl, uh, well, to, to gift him generously, bestow him other titles that are very, very gracious and egregious lies at the same time. There is no point in being timid, Jill Lawrence writes. After decades of chronic underinvestment in American human and physical capital, this is such a Marxist term, by the way. This is straight out of the, uh, uh, the communist playbook when they talk about human and physical capital. When you hear those words, just let your, uh, your, your antennae go up because you're t- only a Marxist uses the word human and physical capital. But after the blah, 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 and 20 years of war that consumed U.S. blood and treasure and destabilized the Middle East, we need a course correction. Biden, like Ronald Reagan, can you imagine comparing Joe Biden to Ronald Reagan? Of course not. But this is how insane Joe Lawrence is. Biden, like Ronald Reagan, wants to give it to us. That would be our course correction. And to, well, whatever. I'm going to comment on all this. Let's just keep going here. Now at 78, presiding over tiny, fragile house and Senate majorities, that could disappear at any time in the next 18 months. I want to pause there. Jill Lawrence is suggesting that Joe Biden presides over a tiny, fragile House and Senate majorities. And yet, the Democratic Party, do they not claim that they have uh, uh, the approval of the entire uh, country, every American citizen? They, They don't act like they have a tiny, fragile House and Senate majorities. They act like they have super majorities everywhere. The people have spoken. You know, they, they, they've got a 50-50 Senate and a slim majority in the House, and they're behaving like they have de facto uh, approval to, to, to just radically transform this country. But here is Jill Biden, apparent Jill Biden, sorry, Jill Lawrence. Might as well be Jill Biden. Um, she acts like she's married to the man, the way she defends him and encourages him despite his failures. Uh, But anyway, so she says, anyway, despite all these uh, fragile majorities that they have, well, he's he, Joe Biden, is finally the boss, the decider. I I don't think that anyone in this country who has, uh, again, two brain cells to rub together would ever describe Joe Biden as the boss. He's not leading anything. He's running and hiding taking vacation while Americans are stranded in Afghanistan over the Labor Day weekend. He's not deciding anything. We know that he is simply an empty suit in the Oval Office. It is undeniable that this guy's not leading anything. I mean, how many times have we heard Joe Biden standing there at a presser and he says, I'm going to get in trouble if I I answer questions? In trouble. In trouble with who? 
You're the, 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 you are the executive branch. You're the president of the United States. Who are you going to get in trouble with? That in itself tells you everything you need to know. Other people are telling him what to do. Other people are making the decisions. And he's just there going out and reading the teleprompter, whatever they tell him to say. He's not in charge of anything. But she says, and Biden has decided America needs a reboot. Well, how's that reboot going? This is the amazing thing. It was such a clear choice in 2020. I mean, you had all of the policies. Forget the mean tweets. I'll take the mean tweets. Give me the mean tweets, please. But we had a, a, a roaring economy prior to this ridiculous weaponization of COVID-19 to destroy everything. But we had a roaring economy, the lowest historic unemployment in black communities. Everything was actually going swimmingly. We had our reboot. And now we're just going back into totalitarian darkness and destroying ourselves. But anyway, she gets into the economic numbers. As you know, we had horrible economic numbers that, of course, well, surprise, surprise, they didn't meet expectations. So she says, you know, uh, you know, we had uh, 235,000 jobs were added in August compared with the 750,000 economists expected. I mean, that's a... 235,000 were added in August. 750,000 were expected. That's a pretty glaring disparity. But she says, of course, this is because we're not out of the, out of the woods yet with COVID. And I want to point something out. You know, this is a very hard thing to come back from anyway, because the shutdowns destroyed businesses. People went out of businesses, out of business. Those jobs were lost. Those businesses were destroyed. Businesses that were destroyed and went bankrupt, they can't come back. They're gone. Those employees are searching for additional jobs. I don't know what the, the employers and the business owners are doing. I mean, their lives were wrecked. It takes a lot of capital and income to start a business. And so that's the reality of this. But she gets into, of course, Labor Day figures. You know, we had coronavirus infections reported. We had deaths. And then she says, of course, that well, gig workers, independent contractors, and the self-employed, well, they lost all unemployment benefits on Labor Day when a special pandemic program for them expired. The eviction moratorium expired. So it's hard to argue, Jill says. People don't still need help. Well, they do need help. They need the government and the media to behave like rational adults and stop spreading a fear porn campaign that's keeping people hiding in their homes. And of course, the, the, the government continues to promise additional stimulus in California that's happening right now, and they're not letting this go. People, people are still not coming back to work. Well, in the, in the most generous of terms, that is not, what's the word? Not conspiratorial. Um, but there's uncertainty is what I'm trying to say out there. And a climate of uncertainty does not encourage people to go and get jobs when they feel like at a moment's notice, we could get shut down again. The pandemic's still here. 
But she gets into his poll numbers, and that's huge because he's tanking in the polls. I've got the latest poll data here, and you know the the this is I'm, I'm moving along away from this article for just a moment to fill you in the poll data. But from September fourth to September seventh, Biden, well, he's at a fifty percent disapproval rating. Only thirty nine percent of respondents give him a thumbs up. That's what she's talking about. So his poll numbers, Jill says, have plummeted since the traumatic U.S. exit from Afghanistan. Persistent pockets of COVID vaccine resistance, rampant spread of the Delta variant, and a stalled out recovery. At the seven-month mark, according to ABC News Washington Post polling, that's the poll I'm talking about, well, he's, he's one of only three presidents since Harry Truman with an approval rating below 50%. And it's amazing. She talks about Trump's, Trump being one of those presidents who had a a uh, approval rating below 50% seven months into his presidency. And she says, oh, you know, Trump, who was dealing with hurricanes and rising tensions with North Korea, arguing that businesses had a right to discriminate against gay people and cutting off the broadly popular DACA program. The DACA program was not broadly popular. And she, of course, fails to mention the fact that the media... And the Democratic Party were engaged in a full-on propaganda effort to lie and smear Trump 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. With Trump collusion, with quid pro quo, lie after lie after lie. I mean, he had a 99% negative media coverage. They didn't hail anything that he did. And Biden, of course, on contrast, I mean, they try and save him every which way. They cover for him. They didn't come. They don't cover the Hunter Biden scandal. They don't cover uh, his ties to the CCP and his corruption. I mean, they they cover up for him, and so you can't even compare the two, despite the fact that Joe Biden enjoys a Democrat Party and their media, who continue to praise him despite all of his failures, while he is where Trump was. What does that tell you? It's way, way, way more damning. This is not apples to apples. But she says the Afghanistan departure was chaotic, tragic, and widely panned, but majorities in polls still say it was time to leave. And the subject overall is not top of mind for voters. This, the, the Democrats don't live in reality. This is my point. Afghanistan is not top of mind. I, I submit to you, the biggest thing that has done the greatest damage to Joe Biden is his dealing, his incompetence, his intentional, we got to say what it is, it's intentional what he did, gifting them $85 billion in American arms, leaving Americans stranded behind, gifting the Taliban hostages, lying to the American people, having to be dragged out of his basement to actually address the American people when this debacle was happening. No, it was top of mind for voters. But of course, to Jill and the Democrats, no, Americans don't care about his, his dealings of, with Afghanistan. But let's go on with the article. The rest of Biden's agenda tracks with the health and ec- economic issues most people consider important, including stimulus checks and child tax credit increases in the American Rescue Plan, the bipartisan Senate infrastructure package. No, the American people don't care about any of this. Any of this. They care about inflation going on. 
the fact that the economy is in ruins, the fact that gas prices continue to go up, eating away at the bottom dollar of average, ordinary, normal American citizens trying to make a living who need their cars for transportation. But in the alternate fantasy land of this writer, oh yeah, his, his agenda tracks with the health and economic issues most people consider important? Well, anyway, let's go on. This week, Democrats are looking at raising taxes on corporations and households with incomes over 400000 to help finance the $3.5 trillion plan. Taking tax dollars. This is how illiterate and sick and perverted the Democrats are. And their army of indoctrinated voters. Stealing money from the job creators does not benefit the economy. Spending $3.5 trillion of taxpayer money, you can't pay for it. We're approaching $30 trillion in debt. What don't these people understand about basic economics? $30 trillion. If you confiscated the wealth, I think that every American citizen is on the hook for something like $40,000. Each one of you, you and me, owes $40,000 to pay for our debt right now. So increasing taxes and taking more money from us does not pay for anything. They act like we have $0 in debt. And okay, we're just going to spend $3.5 trillion and pay for it. There's no paying for any of this anymore. We're committing suicide. But she says, uh, you know, raising taxes on these people making over 400 that's popular. So are the proposals themselves, she says, including paid family leave, child care subsidies, free pre-K and community college, help for DACA re recipients, that's right, help for people who aren't American citizens, that's very popular. Steps to fight and manage climate change, extending a temporary expansion of child cr tax credit. I mean, the laundry list of this Green New Deal, radical Marxist agenda is not popular with the American people. They just don't get it. But she goes on. Let me just finish up this article before we tackle some of these other things she talks about. She says that uh, Biden is stubborn on everything at this point in his life. And any trouble he may cause or get into a lot will be what the late John Lewis called good trouble, the kind that is necessary for progress. So there she is defending Joe Biden and his abject failure as a president. He's a leader. And he's getting in good trouble. You know, if it destroys America, well, it's good trouble because that's the kind that's necessary for progress. That's how these people think. There's no hope for them. There's no hope for them. They, 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 they cannot see clearly, and they don't actually care about America. All they care about is their agenda, not result. This is why I always say the most remarkable thing about, well, many voters, but the Democrats and, and politicians in general, in no other sphere of human experience, non-existent in the private sector, are people judged on their stated intentions rather than the results. You know, well, his intentions are to do well. So that's what he's judged by. Not the fact that America is on fire. But Joe Biden, look, he's had a rough week. That's what people are calling this, right? But he's disconnected. We know he's disconnected. 
And, and, and you know, he, the media is there to pick up his slack. But, look, I talked about these young people out there who are putting up the middle finger for Joe Biden. And, you know, Joe Biden, by the way, he, uh, he made a stop Tuesday in New Jersey. That's in the wake of Hurricane Ida. And in some of these precincts he visited, guess what his response was? Guess what the residents had to say who were there when he came to visit? Well, they were still had Afghanistan on their minds. Of course, Jill, who wrote this article in USA Today, says no Americans are thinking about Afghanistan. They don't care about that. They just care about the Green New Deal and getting this stuff accomplished. Well, not in New Jersey, because these people said, I have a quote here from one resident who said, all this for a effing photo op. You ain't going to do excrement. So, you know, these people... Divorced from reality. And, you know, that benefits us sometimes. It's like in 2016 with Hillary Clinton. You know, she was guaranteed to win. Guaranteed to win. These people don't have a pulse on the American people. I do. You understand it. I'm telling you what's happened in this country, and that's good news. But these people, they have no idea. And it's to their detriment, and they're going to get shellacked in 2022. But this uh, this infrastructure bill, by the way, that that she's talking about that's so important to the American people. So important and so popular, Joe Manchin, a Democrat, refuses because apparently Joe Manchin and, well, Kirsten Sinema, they're the only two sane remaining Democrats in the, in the Senate. And they're not going to go for the $3.5 trillion infrastructure plan still. Do you know what this infrastructure bill does, by the way? There is a, uh, an email that uh, the PJ Media, Brian Preston writes a great article here. And it, it, he says this includes massive attacks on U.S. energy producers. So it's not bad enough that Biden, by the way, assisted and aided and abetted uh, Russia by giving them their pipeline while he eliminated the colonial pipeline that would have continued to give us cheap gasoline and energy independence. Well, now that's not even good enough. Now he's going to disincentivize a future and current existing, pre-existing uh, sources of energy, gas, etc. in this country. One, from this email, he's going to dis- 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 disincentivize federal lease bidding. So a 500% minimum bid increase. So what does this mean? Well, he's going to increase the prices that it costs to lease this land to actually get oil, which of course is going to disincentivize people from procuring already existing oil sources in this country. So people aren't going to be able to afford it, or prices will go up. He's going to cut dime to, to produce in half. What does that mean? So, you know, you, you get these leases for new onshore uh, drilling, right? That's, that's not out in the ocean. That's onshore, that's right here, that's taking gasoline, fossil fuels from, well, what we have available to us in America. Well, he's going to reduce the primary term for new onshore leases from 10 years to 5 years, cutting time to produce it in half. So typically these, these leases, well, most of them require more than 5 years to start producing. It's a big effort to locate the oil, get the oil, drill for it, do whatever you have to do. 
So for example, New Mexico, oil sources there. Well, more than 30% of the le- 37% of the leases in New Mexico, well, when do they start producing? More than five years after authorization. And so it's not even going to be possible. So no one's even going to want to get and seek these leases, even if they can afford to pay for them, because they're not going to see any kind of fruition to their efforts because they need more than five years. And the Biden administration, this Green New Deal, the $3.5 trillion infrastructure plan is saying, nope, nope, you've got to get it in five years. It more than doubles annual rent. So the rental rates for these acres, it's going to go from uh, $3 an acre for the first two years and then $5 an acre Increasing costs by at least $123 million per year. Disincentivizing. It eliminates the possibility of royalty relief. It imposes new inspection fees, more bureaucracy. So the minimum ex- inspection fees that these operators incur, well, it's going to be anywhere from $800 to $11,300 per lease. Huge new costs on production. New royalties on venting flaring. 1,500% to 2,000% bonding increase. I mean, everywhere you go, new resource fees, new leasing fees, new severance tax fees, new idled wells fees. Increasing pipeline transportation costs. So there's a new cost, just like in California. Where they're raising the costs on gasoline. Well, now they're going to raise transportation costs. None of this improves infrastructure, by the way. They're hurting pipelines. And energy is going to be more expensive to produce. And so this is, again, another assault on energy independence. And so it's, it's, it's now codifying the Green New Deal, forcing us away from energy independence with gasoline and so on and so forth. And it's not going to curb energy demand. It's not going to improve our economy. It's not going to lower the price of gasoline and fuel for Americans. And this is what they're up to, forcing this down our throats, forcing this down our throats, hurting the American citizen, And this is what the Democrats are, are concerned with right now. This is where their head's at. Eliminating fossil fuels in America. And even as a, just as a realist, even if you want green new energy, even if you want solar panels, you become California. It's more than $5 a gallon for gasoline in California. And they continue to impose new hikes, new taxes on gasoline as it is. They're looking to institute by mile taxation. And so they don't build any, 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 new, uh, any new sources for energy out here. We have brownouts and blackouts. And all of this does one thing, by the way. This is the point in the strategy all along. To, the force, to force us to be dependent on the government, on the Democratic Party. You lose your autonomy and your independence when you can't afford to get in your car and drive. You become dependent upon the government. And that's what this is about. 
Once again, an attack on the American citizen, your independence, and forcing you to be reliant on whatever it is the Democrat Party uh, wants to cram down your, your throat. There you have it, folks. This is Jerome. We'll be right back. And we're back. I want to play a clip here. <clears throat> this is, uh, to the point, the abject stupidity that is this administration, this regime that is ruling over the American people right now. This is the uh, NEC, NEC director, Brian Deese. He is now talking about rising grocery prices. That would be inflation. Now, I want you to hear what he has to say as I comment on this. All right, here we go. Brian. One of the interesting findings of the report that we put out today is that about half of the overall increase in grocery prices can be attributed to a significant increase in prices in three products, in beef, in pork, and in poultry. And in beef and in pork, we've seen double-digit increases in prices over the last couple of months. Um, in fact, if you look at the category that uh, is grocery prices, what economists call food at home, so food that is being uh, purchased uh, to eat at home, um, in a number of areas we've seen, if you take out those three categories, we've actually seen inc uh, price increases that are more in line with uh, historical norms. And we've seen some categories, for example, fresh fruits and vegetables prices have actually declined uh, since the end of last year. So have you heard such stupidity before? If, if you, so, so, you know, <clears throat> you know, inflation's here and it's bearing its ugly head in the categories of beef, pork, and poultry, things that Americans rely on and eat for uh, nutrition. But if you, if you eliminate those categories, um, you know, uh, there's nothing to see here, folks. There's no issues of, uh, of inflation. Just, just, just get rid of those categories that are showing us inflation and we have no inflation. Bada boom, bada bing. I mean, this is how insidious and stupid these people are. I mean, I, inflation's here. Americans are feeling it. And they say, well, just ignore those things. Stop buying those. Th if you don't buy beef, poultry, or, uh, or pork, well, yeah, everything else is okay. Everything else is normal, you know? If you just drove an electric car, uh, you would need gasoline. I mean, these guys, these guys are so, so uh, dumb. I, I, I don't know. That, 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 but the, here you have someone in the Biden administration telling us, uh, well, inflation's not here if you ignore those, um, those things that are obvious, undeniable signs of inflation. But a few other points that I want to make, because I just, you know, look, you know, my, my, my priority here is to just... I know how busy you are taking care of your family and working. I want to be the voice of reason, the voice of the news that you can come to and depend upon to give you in an hour or an hour 20 minutes everything you need to know to stay up to date on what's happening. There is a measles outbreak at Fort McCoy, which is in Wisconsin. That is where thousands of Afghan refugees are living, at Fort McCoy. Now... <laughs> So the CDC has indicated in the past that Afghanistan, by the way, 
They know this, they've acknowledged this, they have the seventh highest number of measles cases in the world. The measles which we eradicated as of 2000 in this country, which we developed a vaccine against so that we wouldn't have to deal with it and suffer from it. A real vaccine, by the way, not like COVID that requires booster shots. You don't need a measles vaccine booster shot. Uh, in the traditional sense in the past, a vaccine actually prevented uh, transmission and getting any kind of virus. But not the case in the way the CDC... By the way, I'm going to get back to this about the what's happening with the measles outbreak. But the let me... Grit, stay with me. I'm here. I'm here. I'm not that far away. I'm not that far away. Here I am. Okay. So... <laughs> The CDC, by the way, do you know they just made this change? Uh, PJ Media, Matt Margolis, has reported that the headline's perfect. The CDC has just made an Orwellian change to the definition of vaccine and vaccination. So in the past, the vaccine, when you got vaccinated, it meant you were protected from a particular disease, like the measles, right? So, you, you know, you get a vaccine against polio, tetanus, measles, diphtheria, other things, and you don't have to worry about them. Because the whole reason your parents got, got you, took you to the doctor to get those shots and to protect you from those de diseases, writes Matt Margolis, is so that you don't have to deal with them anymore. Polio, for example, has been completely wiped out thanks to immunity created by vaccination. And so that's why the CDC, CDC says, or used to say, the vaccines provide immunity which means that we can be exposed to a disease without becoming infected by it. But that's all gone. All these signs, we're in the new, we're in the dark ages, folks. That's what vaccines used to do. But now we have a change in terms of what uh, vaccines mean. So in one week, the CDC has silently and quietly changed their definition of vaccines and immunity. So they used to say, well, a week ago, that vaccines were something that produce immunity to a specific disease. And now they say vaccines stimulate the body's immune response against diseases. And, 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 and a, vac a vaccine, a vaccination, by the way, they used to say it produces immunity. But now, today, they say it's just protection from a disease. Is this not disturbing to anybody? Hello? Why is the CDC suddenly redefining vaccine and vaccination so that they sound like, I, I don't know, like any prescription drug you take regularly? And that's the corruption of this whole vaccine effort and the enrichment of all of these. You know, I'm doing this podcast, by the way. I don't know if you hear that in the background. I hear it, a plane flying overhead. It is... Uh, I won't tell you what time it is. It doesn't matter. But anyhow, here we are. Um, so here we have redefining what vaccines mean. So up uh, is now down. Right is now left. Left is now right. This is the world we're living in. But back to the uh, Fort uh, McCoy in Wisconsin. So this is only one of the military bases where the Biden administration is sending Afghans after they have been, um, well, saved and transported to America while they leave Americans stranded behind. 
Uh, we have Fort Bliss in Texas, Fort Dix in New Jersey. We have Fort Lee in Virginia. We have Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico. We have Camp uh, Atterbury in Indiana. And, and by the way, not only are the Afghans bringing the measles with them, but they're also receiving taxpayer benefits. That's right. That's right. Upon entry, upon arrival in America, Afghans are being given a one-time $1,250 stimulus payment. And so Biden's looking to bring 95,000 Afghans to the U.S. for permanent resettlement. And his White House, by the way, wants to continue to add to our debt and deficit, asking Congress to authorize $6.4 billion in taxpayer money to fund the resettlement operation. But speaking of uh, Afghanistan, before we get into the uh, continued corruption of the CDC, uh, do you know that uh, the, the, the Taliban government, they're not inclusive. This was shocking news to Secretary of State Antony Blinken, by the way. Yeah, that's right. The, the Taliban government, they don't have a single woman in the government. They're all terrorist men. How about that? Isn't that a surprise? The Taliban doesn't have any women in the government? But uh, for Antony Blinken, he's shocked. He's totally shocked. Uh, that they're not inclusive enough. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I've, got, I've got another uh, story here, by the way. The Taliban painted over a George Floyd mural in a Kabul. Kabul. I mean, I don't know. I mean, m maybe this will be grounds to um, finally take action to rescue the uh, American hostages because maybe it's a bridge too far for the leftist Marxists in government that a George Floyd mur mural would come under attack in Afghanistan. Just think about all the, all the effort undone. All this effort to turn uh, the, uh, Afghanistan into a democratic utopia in which they celebrate leftist uh, uh, BLM, George Floyd murals. Well, now the Taliban's painting over a George Floyd mural. That's why, that's right, they, 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 had a, they had a George Floyd mural that was painted in Kabul before the Taliban took over, and now the Taliban says, nope, we're painting over that, and we're going to put some Islamic uh, symbol, symbols and verbiage in there. What a joke. But Secretary Antony Blinken is shocked that there's not women in the Taliban's government. We're assessing the announcement, but despite professing that a new government would be inclusive, the Taliban said they were going to be inclusive. They've said that, and Antony Blinken apparently surprised that they didn't keep up that promise, just like they haven't kept up, the, up any other promises. The announced list of names consists exclusively of individuals or members of the Taliban or their close associates and no women, Blinken said at a press conference at Rammstein Air, Air Base in Germany. Why do we have an air base in Germany, by the way, anymore? I thought the, the, the way forward was to get out of every country in existence. You know, obviously it wasn't of uh, benefit to Americans to have 2,500 troops and an air base in Afghanistan. So why don't we just evacuate Rammstein as well? I mean, after all, uh, World War II was a long time ago. Totally inconsistent. These people don't have brains. Anyway, so the Taliban announced an interim government. It's not an interim government, by the way. Uh, this is BS, baloney. 
Uh, it's not an interim government. It's a permanent government because the Taliban is seeking to be recognized by America uh, as, you know, uh, official partners in the world uh, as we go forward. You know, they definitely should have a place at the table at the U, uh, UN, at the United Nations in New York City, where we host all these people as well. We love terrorists, apparently. The Democratic Party loves terrorists. They want to give all these people a clear voice. But they, of course, want to silence voices of uh, conservatives and Republicans on Twitter and everywhere else. We must be silenced. But the Taliban, yep, terrorist regimes, you know, they should have a place at the table. Domestic terrorists who committed an insurrection uh, on January 6th. You know, they've got to be prosecuted. Uh, but, you know, foreign terrorists, they're just fine. Anyway, this interim government, by the way, it's led by Mullah Mohammed Hassan Akhund. He served as deputy foreign minister when the Taliban last ruled Afghanistan from 96 to 2001. And he's on a United Nations blacklist. So he's in the government uh, there in Afghanistan. The acting interior minister is Sirajuddin Haqqani, leader of the Haqqani militant group, which is designated a foreign terrorist organization by the U.S. He's wanted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, in connection to a January 2008 attack on a Kabul hotel that killed six people, including an American citizen. So he's in the Taliban regime as well. So uh, Blinken, <laughs> he was asked about Haqqani, who killed Americans, and who was on the FBI's most wanted list, who's in the Taliban regime, the government there. Blinken responded, with regard to the composition of this government, or interim government, I noted the fact that it certainly does not meet the test of inclusivity, and it includes people who have very challenging track records. Challenging track records? These people are friends of terrorists throughout the country. Blinken does not even condemn this government. He just says softly, well, it doesn't meet our test of inclusivity, and it includes people who have very challenging track records. This guy is, a, is wanted by the FBI. This guy, Haqqani, is, is, is responsible for the death of at least an American citizen and attacks on U.S. and coalition personnel. And all... Uh, um, uh, the State Department rep here, Blinken, Secretary of State, can say is that they have challenging track records? This is the Biden regime. The Secretary of State also called upon the Taliban to let charter flights with Americans and other citizens leave Afghanistan. At least six charter planes have been grounded in Afghanistan for the past week unable to take off. This is the hostage situation that has been created by the Biden regimes. Absolutely well, intentional, but ludicrous, defying logic of way they, 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 they left Afghanistan. He's calling upon the Taliban to let, please Taliban, please let the, what kind of, what, we're the America, we're the United States of America. For God's sake, we're the most formidable military force that's ever existed in human history. And we have the Secretary of State asking, please let the charter flights with Americans and other citizens leave Afghanistan. This is such a joke. This is why these people, this is why Biden must be impeached. Is anyone else angry? 
or just me? Is this not ridiculous? Not ridiculous isn't even the word. Unforgivable. Totally unforgivable. It gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. So the CDC. CDC is not only changing the definition of vaccines now, going back to the dark ages and defying science as it existed. Well, there's an article by Deborah Hine at AM Greatness. Wonderful woman who does great reporting, by the way. Uh, She's on top of a lot of these issues. But here's the headline. Talk about collusion, by the way. And I've got a story about collusion coming up next, but collusion. The CDC forced school kids to mask up after being pressured by teachers' union. Emails show. What am I talking about? The Biden administration imposed its draconian masking guidance for school children. Why did they do this? Well, it was after the National Education Association, the NEA, threatened to embarrass the CDC with a harsh public statement. The Liberal Teachers Union sent a draft statement to White House officials on May 14th that criticized the CDC, their new masking guidance, seeking clarification before they released it. Okay, so what happened? On May 13th, the CDC announced that fully vaccinated Americans could stop wearing masks indoors and outside, which sparked angst from the pro-mask zealots at the NEA. The teachers' union ultimately published a statement with a much softer tone, Fox reported, after the CDC clarified its guidance to indicate that everyone should be masked in schools regardless of vaccination status. Not only regard, this is me, by the way, not only regardless of vaccination status, but knowing that children are not susceptible to this. They don't transmit it. They're not at risk of this virus. But anyway, let's get to the emails. The emails show that on May 14th, Erica Dinkle-Smith, the White House Director of Labor Engagement, said she stopped the NEA from releasing the statement that had called for immediate clarification. Would you know when Dr. Walensky would be able to call NEA President Becky Pringle? Dinkle Smith wrote in the email. They've gotten significant incoming and are getting targeted for response from the media. I've gotten them to hold on their statement calling for clarification. So the NEA's draft statement read as follows. We appreciate the developing nature of the science and its implications for guidance, but releasing the guidance without accompanying school-related updates creates confusion and fuels the internal politicization of this basic health and safety issue, the draft statement read. CDC has consistently said, and studies support, that mitigation measures, including to protect the most vulnerable, remain necessary in schools and institutions of higher education. Particularly because no elementary or middle school students and few high school students have been vaccinated. So, this will also make it hard for school boards and leaders of institutions of higher education to do the right thing by maintaining mitigation measures. So, the, 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 the school board, the NEA, the National Education Association, needed the CDC to come out and issue a statement that gave them ammunition to... Institute mass mandates in school. So they say we need CDC clarification right away. So they talk with the Biden White House, and then the NEA released a statement with a much less critical tone. 
On May 14th, Nicole Smith asked the CDC Chief of Staff Sherry Berger to connect NEA President Becky Pringle with the CDC Director. Berger says, will do. Less than 30 minutes later, Berger sent an update saying she had spoken with Pringle and Randy Weingarten, President of the American Federation of Teachers. The next day, on May 15th, the CDC updated its masking guidance to indicate that all people should wear a mask at school regardless of vaccination status. So, this is, the CDC said if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. The education, the, the, the teachers' unions got upset, and they wanted, vac- they wanted mask mandates in school, so they con- contact the White House, and they say, we want the CDC to tell us and change their masking guidance to say that all people should wear a mask regardless of vaccination status. So the phrase that we kept hearing that was scientific, right, was that kids are resilient to the virus. That's the truth. But this person, Zach Ringelstein, wrote, but as an elementary school educator and PhD student at Columbia University trained in trauma-informed instruction, I am concerned that this statement is overly simplistic and misleading. What we should be saying is mass and social distancing induce trauma, and trauma at a young age is developmentally dangerous, especially for children who are experiencing trauma in other parts of their lives. So this person, Zach Ringelstein, is actually speaking the truth. They're talking about the trauma of little kids being fearful for their lives at a young, impressionable age. Which, you know, good on this person for actually having some cojones and making this statement. But we have the CDC and the teachers' unions and the NEA colluding um, to basically do what Zach... Well, Zach, this uh, individual is saying... Well, he's concerned that, that, that what the CDC and the teachers' union is, is suggesting and doing to our children, well, he's saying it's inducing trauma. And yet, despite this fact, and he's, well, he's a boots on the ground, he's an elementary school educator, he's saying this is dangerous, but the CDC and the teachers' union don't care. To hell with truth, to hell with facts. Uh, they just want to push their radical agenda forward and scare our children. And, of course, um, implement masking in schools in perpetuity. Unbelievable, folks. This is Darrell, and I'll be right back. Well, we've got some breaking news here. A couple of different things. The uh, administration's response... Of course, to inflation rearing its ugly head in the categories of basically all proteins, beef, poultry, and pork. Well, don't you worry about it. The Biden administration, well, they have a plan. They have a plan. Because you see, um, according to the economically illiterate Democrats and Joe Biden, uh, inflation... The rising cost of beef, poultry, and pork, uh, it's not because of the shutdown, which led to labor shortages, 
which led to issues of supply and demand. No, no, it's not that. These greedy companies, these greedy companies that, well, they had sold it before the pandemic at a reasonable price. We never had this issue where we said, oh, oh, the prices have gone up drastically. They didn't do it then. They didn't price gouge then. They sold their beef, pork, and poultry products at a reasonable price agreeable price to the American people. But now that these prices have raised, the administration is attacking these companies, saying they own the share of the market, and, you know, they're going to come up, uh, they're going to crack down on this monopolistic behavior. They won't crack down. Monopolistic behavior, you know, they say, they're basically four companies that are the major companies that, that control the market. But, You've got uh, Facebook and Twitter and real monopolies in the social media tech world. There's no conversation about uh, uh, shutting, you know, breaking them apart based on the fact that they are propagandist entities of the Democrat Party. And they're actually violating a First Amendment right that's in the Constitution, an unalienable right, a right to free speech. No, no, they're not worried about that monopolistic behavior. No, the, the beef. You know, this is what's so dangerous about the Democrat Party and why I despise them and disdain them. They never accept responsibility for anything. Never. And that's why they'll never solve a single problem in this country. Because they're not focused on solving problems. They're just focused on, well, not only blaming. In this case, look, we've got inflation here and it's a result of the shutdowns. It's economic, it's, it's government policy that is responsible for the vastly uh, um, increased prices in those categories of food that we buy. It's their fault. And what's the solution of the government? Well, they point the finger at the companies and say, we're going to make sure uh, that we have more oversight of the beef sector. We're going to make sure we have more oversight. We're going to come up with legislation that will stamp out the the free market, capitalism. We're going to punish them, make them sell at certain prices. And then what do they do? They take over another sector of the economy. That's what they're doing. That's why all of this is always by design. When they say, you know, never let a what a disaster go to waste or never let a, you know, whatever, one of these situations go to waste, this is what they're talking about. They create these problems and they, they, they massage the language, lie about why it's taking place, and then present themselves as that person uniquely qualified uh, to solve the problem. But they are the problem. They're the reason. But some other breaking news here, by the way. What else is the Biden administration up to? Not getting American hostages out of Afghanistan, okay? I didn't want you to get it too excited. That, that's not what's coming up. There's another speech coming up. Uh, Biden's going to give a speech uh, today, later today, uh, Thursday here. And guess what? I'll just read a headline. Biden, this is New York Times, in Thursday speech to impose new vaccine mandates. Fox News. Biden's six-pronged COVID-19 plan includes vaccine and mask mandates. Biden to outline new strategy to battle Delta variant surge. Um, It is March of 2020. I want you to get ready for this. Get ready for this. And also, we need all these booster shots now, right? So the vaccine, even if it was at some point effective, it's not long-term. And it's not being effective at combating some of these uh, new variants that are going to continue to unfold. Delta variant's not the uh, the end-all, be-all. There will be other variants, just like with the flu, every year there's, there's a new strain. And they are priming priming um, with their messaging, 
that will happen later today. They're going to, of course, attack the unvaccinated and say they're the problem. They're going to demand that every American be vaccinated so that we can get through this pandemic and finally come out on the other side. But that's a lie. That's a lie. If every American was vaccinated, it would be exactly the same because they don't want to give up control. This was never about health. This was always about control. And that's what we're going to hear uh, today from the Biden regime. Let me just kind of look here and see if there's anything that I don't already know. Okay, here we go. The president, CNN. I mean, look, the the thing Americans want most from Joe Biden is beyond his power to deliver and into the pandemic. This pandemic um, isn't real anymore. It's illusory. People get sick. That's true. We don't have a pandemic of anything else. You don't call cancer a pandemic. I understand it's not spread. That's not my point. But the point is an end to the pandemic. The pandemic would end if the politicians would just shut their mouths, get their boots off of our necks, and just let us return to normal. The only thing standing in the way of this pandemic ending is government officials, bureaucrats, who like the power they've gotten out of this pandemic. They want to continue to scare us. And frankly, they continue to use, can continue to use COVID to avoid talking about the things that they're actually doing, like the infrastructure bill, like everything else. And so, you know, now it's going to be about children. Now it's about children, hospitals. And they're going to threaten us. They're going to say, if you don't get vaccinated, schools are going to get shut down. They're going to turn the American people. Tonight, today, Thursday, will represent, uh, actually, I think uh, the, the worst speech that we will hear in our lifetimes thus far. Because never before, until this speech is delivered, will we have an uh, American president so vociferously attack an entire segment of the American population, label them as problematic, and essentially encourage vindictive actions toward those that resist. He will call once again, I'm telling you, on businesses to follow the the, uh, suit of the government because the government's going to announce a federal uh, mass mandate. So all federal employees are going to have to get mass mandates and, and testing will no longer be an option. Freedom is gone. And he's going to say, we, you know, we're setting the tone and now we're asking the rest of the American businesses to follow us in ending this pandemic. And so basically, in the name of ending the pandemic, he will say, put on the, the brass knuckles, no holds barred, the unvaccinated of the problem, go to town, go to town. And this will be similar, of course, to what happened in Nazi Germany. I don't use that lightly. I don't throw it out like the, the Democrats do just calling everyone a Nazi and Nazi-esque. This is true. It's like the Jews. They were the scapegoats. So the situation is just going to get worse and worse. Uh, He's going to lay out and scare the American people and and encourage hatred towards our fellow man. And I want you to, to fortify your mind and understand how sick and wrong he is that he's lying. If you look around you in your personal life, uh, you're still standing. You haven't succumbed to COVID. Some have just like they've died from the flu, like I've lost people to cancer this year. It happens. And people are going to get sick with this as well. And um, this is just an absolutely un-American thing. The most un-American speech we will have heard to date will happen today from Joe Biden's mouth again. And um, speaking of vindictive, uh, horrible, awful human beings, 
Uh, Biden's not only uh, busy um, looking to punish Americans who haven't gotten the COVID vaccine or the 66th booster shot, but um, in an unprecedented move, you know what he just recently did? Well, he told 18 of, of, of President Trump's appointees to the U.S. Military Academy boards to resign or be fired. A purge. This has not happened before. Imagine if Trump had come into office and called on the resignation. Let me Actually, let me put it this way. Remember the witch hunt, the Mueller investigation, which turned up nothing. Trump allowed that to take place. He could have fired Mueller in a second. But he wanted to let it go. He knew how it would look and be perceived, what the media would do with it. And so he let Mueller continue his investigation. Even though it came up with nothing, we knew it would come up with nothing because it was based on an outright lie. The Democrats, of course, still think that Trump did collude, and they think that the Mueller investigation somehow uh, turned up a bunch of dirt on Trump. Did not. But imagine uh, if Trump had come in and said, well, I'm firing um, 18 of uh, former President Obama's appointees to the U.S. Military Academy boards. Resign or be fired simply because Biden appointed you. They would have called him Hitler. They would have called him a dictator. They would have called him authoritarian. They would have said, we've got to impeach this guy. They would have said impeach even over this too. But the White House sent 18 letters to Trump appointees that are currently serving on the boards of visitors for the Air Force Academy, the Military Academy, the Naval Academy, ordering them to resign by 6 p.m. That was yesterday on Wednesday or else be terminated. Who got these letters? Kelly and Conway? She's on the uh, board of the Air Force Academy. Sean Spicer, I remember him, press secretary. He's on the board at the Naval Academy. H.R. McMaster, he's at the uh, U.S. Military Academy. And uh, Trump's Office of Management and Budget Director, Russell Voigt, Vought, I believe maybe it's pronounced, V-O-U-G-H-T, at the Naval Academy as well. And so Jin Psaki said that the president's mass firing of these appointees stemmed from his desire to appoint qualified candidates and had nothing to do with politics. You can only be qualified if you're a Democrat. It doesn't matter that these people are accomplished, they have uh, elite Harvard degrees and so on and so forth, that they're generals, that they're, uh, I mean, you know, press secretaries. None of it matters. And this is why I say never seek credentials. Never seek favoritism in the Democratic Party because you'll never get it. <laughs> and this, she is such a sick person, Jen Psaki, so snarky. I'll let others evaluate whether they think uh, Kellyanne Conway and Sean Spicer and others were qualified or not political to serve on these boards. Uh, I just... These, um, these people that are in office, never vote for a Democrat again. That's the moral of the story. That really is the moral of the story. Uh, these individuals, I don't know. But you know what? Sean Spicer and these people did show some backbone. I mean, it won't affect the outcome because they can be fired if the administration wants to. But they said they're not going to be resigning from their position. And they said, you know, you know Sean Spicer, for example, Joining the military and wearing the uniform of this amazing country remains one of my greatest decisions in life. For 22 years, I've had the honor of serving alongside some of the most talented, patriotic, and brave individuals this country has to offer. I'm a proud graduate of the U.S. Naval War College. I've done multiple tours, and politics has never entered into my service. 
And that's the way it used to be, by the way. That was what Sean Spicer had to say. And he served under five different presidents of both parties. The left is politicizing everything. Everything. And there are certain things that politics should be um, not a part of, like the military. You're serving your country. But they've, they've you know, created, of course, the woke campaign to recruit for not only our military, but the CIA, the FBI. And when you uh, politicize everything, you introduce uh, cancer to it. And the allegiance is no longer to... I mean, we have this with the Democrat and Republican Party, with having these factions. Uh, just because, I mean, the fact that there are two, either side you fall on, you can lose your allegiance to the Constitution and what matters in this country because you're being pulled left and right by party. Your allegiance is to party over country. But whether you're a police officer, whether you're serving in the military especially, it has no role. But now, I mean, there's never been a clear uh, action taken to show that politics, Democrat Party politics, rules the, uh, the current climate in America. And the Republicans, I don't know, I haven't really heard too much condemnation from them. They won't use the impeach word. They won't use the resign word. They're afraid of everything. One last story here that I think I can make it to before we run out of time. Oh, remember, remember 2020. Remember the stolen election of 2020. I said it. Deborah Hine, AM Greatness, writes, Independent canvassing effort in Maricopa County, Arizona, finds 34% of votes missing or lost. Should I read that again? 34% of votes missing or lost? So, Harris said the canvassers, well, I should probably clarify uh, who Harris is. So, Liz Harris, she's the Arizona resident who organized this independent canvas. All right. And so, she got these canvassers together. They talked to people in over 11,000 homes. Many of these Democrat homes, by the way. And she says that they were even thankful that she came by to, to verify. So this is what actually uh, non-political effort looks like. Just seeing if uh, people who voted had their votes counted. And vice versa. So she got responses from 4,570 of these 11,000 homes. That's pretty impressive. So they went to the homes of these registered voters. Only registered voters. And based on the results of the canvas... Harris estimated there were, well, there were up over 173,000 lost votes and 96,000 ghost votes in the election in Maricopa County. Maricopa County, the county that decided the election in Arizona for Biden and not for Trump. An estimated 173,104 votes are missing or lost, as reported to our volunteers who went door-to-door verifying registration and voting information for thousands of residents. These are American citizens living in Maricopa County who cast a vote primarily by mail in the election, and yet there is no record of their vote with the county, and it was not counted in the reported vote totals for the election. So these individuals cast their vote. Count every vote, said the Democrats. Count every vote. Forget even the legal vote part. Count every vote. 
Well, these votes didn't get counted. Additionally, an estimated 96,389 mail-in votes were cast under the names of registered voters who were either unknown to the residents of the registration address or who were verified as having moved away prior to October 2020. These were ineligible voters. These were illegal fake ballots. And these these come from the last two months of canvassing. And what did they? And here are the questions they asked. This is it. Very simple. What method did you use to vote? Then they would ask, "Did you receive extra ballots?" And then they would ask, "What did you do with those extra ballots if you got some?" And then finally, how many registered voters are supposed to be here, and how many actually voted? They never ask a person who they voted for. And her question is, where did these votes go? Where did these votes go? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Such massive fraud that we never got to the bottom of. Never got to the bottom of. And that's the kind of thing that took place throughout this country. And it's, it's, it's what we're fearful is going to take place here in California. And it's amazing. Um, let's see if Dr. Anthony Fauci makes the rounds on TV again to promote Biden's message later today that, um, well, we're going to have to lock down the country again if the unvaccinated don't get vaccinated and if the vaccinated don't uh, get booster shots in perpetuity for the rest of their lives. Because Dr. Anthony Fauci should be in prison. I know that became a popular slogan, but the reality is he should be in prison. He qualifies. He lied under oath. We have uh, new document servicing that indicate not only that he failed to be forthcoming about the his knowledge and our own government's participation in gain of research at the Wuhan lab that developed created, caused COVID-19. But he lied, outright lied to the American people about his organization's support for this risky research. So we now know, as a matter of fact, that U.S. taxpayer dollars supported this research that made a virus at the Wuhan lab stronger than the original, naturally occurring, occurring viruses. And that's the thing, too. This virus is doing exactly what the virus was designed to do. It's very contagious. It was man-made. And that is the definition of -of gain-of-function research. And Fauci's lied not, not just once, repeatedly before Congress and the American people. I mean, where are the calls for his resignation? Every Republican should be calling for this. But they need to get to the bottom of this. They need to conduct a thorough investigation into this research. I mean, look, Biden's about to go and give a speech later today about how awful COVID is and how we can never return to a normal life. We can't have our rights back. They come from the government now until we all get vaccinated. This pandemic that's on the forefront of everyone's minds because the government and the media are complicit in spreading the fear porn campaign still to this day. And yet, this president, this administration, won't even conduct an investigation into this research so that it never happens again. That's how twisted these folks are. 
I mean, they should make sure that none of these grants can ever be issued again. They can ensure that no bureaucrat can hide behind some lawyerly definition, skirt regulations like this, find a loophole, if you will. But the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which Fauci heads, well, they funded experiments at the Wuhan Institute of Virology that make coronaviruses more pathogenetic than the original virus. He has repeatedly denied that the money was used for gain-of-function research. That categorically was not done, Fauci said in May. Surprise, surprise, here we go. Rand Paul says, surprise, surprise, Fauci lied again. And I was right about his agency funding novel coronavirus research at Wuhan. The White House and the NIAID did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Well, there we have it, folks. Well, we're out of time today. Uh, We'll be back at it soon. Uh, God bless you all. This is uh, Drew Allen speaking more reason and wisdom than, well, the combined efforts of the Democrat Party in their entire lifetimes. Until next time.